0: Welcome to the No Things Considered podcast, and today we're going to talk about some really, really exciting stuff. We're going to talk about the Democratic debates. Now, this is the very first one that I've ever done. I do a lot of radio. I do a lot of TV, and I don't have a producer sitting over my shoulder, so I knew I would probably do something incredibly stupid, and I bought this really, really nice microphone to record the first podcast with, and then I forgot to turn the microphone on and did 25 minutes of podcast. So what we're going to do, I want you to forgive me for the first podcast, because I talk about the Democratic Debate, and, and I'm, I love it. I had so much fun doing the podcast and recording it and having a good time that I think it would be stupid for me to re-record it because it wouldn't be authentic. So what you're going to have here, just forgive me on this one, is a pretty good podcast that I liked when I listened to again, but it was recorded literally on my computer's internal microphone. So it sounds like I'm walking around the house with a really bad tape recorder instead of this nice, I buy this really nice microphone. And the first thing I got to tell you is that uh, I'm an idiot sometimes, and I'll admit that I'm an idiot, and I'll admit that I'm wrong. This was one of the biggest, dumbest things I've ever done. This is what I like to call a Tim Young mistake. So before we get into the podcast, I'm going to cut into the podcast a little bit, uh, take out the original intros that I did there, and have this as the intro. I want to thank you for listening to this. This is our first podcast. We're going to have some really fun stuff. If you're on the right, you're probably going to really like what I have to say. If you're on the left, you're going to laugh along, but you're also going to get angry at me because I'm going to do what I have to say about things. If you haven't followed me on Twitter before, you can follow me at Tim Runs His Mouth. And before I get into the commentary of the first democratic debate, I just have to laugh and I'll tell you this. I'm going to cut this part out of where I, I have my internal microphone recording with the better microphone. I was able to live-tweet the debate, and I was quoted by both the Washington Post and BET and many other publications, great publications like Town Hall and things like that. I live-tweeted the first Democratic debate from the sixth row of the congressional baseball game, and I didn't watch a seven of it. I just knew exactly what was going to happen. I saw what was happening on a couple of pictures, and I was able to roll along. And it's so predictable what these people would say. That I was able to nail it. And I hope you guys have fun with this. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. This is No Things Considered. My name is Tim Young. You can follow me on Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter. And here is the first No Things Considered podcast recorded on the internal microphone speakers of my computer. The next one will be way better, I promise. Welcome to the No Things Considered podcast. And if it sounds like I'm in a little bit of an echoey room, it's because I am. We're on a we're a fixed income here on the podcast. But listen, we were going to start the show yesterday, and I had so many stories to talk about. And then the Democrats had their first debate. And when the Democrats had their first debate, it was game over for me. I had to go and talk about that instead because it was so ridiculous last night. So ridiculous what they went through. And this is, by the way, we are taping it in between the first and second Democrat debates. I need to do a breakdown of the second one. But so much happened last night that was so incredibly stupid that I want to get to and I want to talk about but before we get to that, you guys are listening to the No Things Considered podcast. My name is Tim Young. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you may not know much about me. My, I go by Tim Runs' mouth on there. I live tweeted the debate. I was quoted by uh, the Washington Post and BET and Town Hall and a bunch of other great publications or fake news publications, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. And I think the most interesting part of last night, two million people saw my tweets and all of these things happened. I was tweeting from the sixth row of of the congressional baseball game and I'm laughing out loud because I'm getting quoted by all these people and a lot of people wasted a lot of time watching these debates. I did not. I was cheering for the Republicans. They lost in the last night, I think like 14-5 to 5 or something like that in the congressional baseball game. They lose every year. They're not great. But while that was happening, I was live tweeting and sitting around a bunch of communications directors on the Republican side of the aisle you couldn't get over the fact that I would tweet something and it would go crazy because I was I was nailing exactly what was happening in the debate without watching it, which that's how easy and basic these Democrat candidates are. So let's get to what happened last night. And we're talking again about the first Democratic debate. Uh, I probably shouldn't say last night because of time. Every time you do one of these podcasts, producers always tell you, hey, uh, you know, don't don't mention timing of things so that they last forever and they're evergreen. But the way things go and the way the news cycle goes, it, this will be old news in like three hours. Like that's, that's how crazy the news cycle has been since uh, Donald Trump, just before Donald Trump took office. That everything that you say, all the jokes that you make, anything that happens is basically dead after just a, a tiny, tiny bit. That being said. Let's talk about this debate. Ten candidates on stage. I didn't even realize that John Delaney was there. Uh, He was apparently the most reasonable person, so we're going to cover that first. John Delaney actually made reasonable points, and I was reading through on Twitter today uh, about the things he said, but nobody cares because nobody knows who he is. I I wasn't even sure that he was in any of the debates, but uh, he's kind of like a bald white guy. If you don't know who he looks like or what he is, it's fine. That one. Let's we'll just blow him off. And then there's Tulsi Gabbard, who actually, again, sounds like a reasonable human being once in a while. Uh, she also kind of reminds you of a forgettable Star Trek captain. Like she's one of the, the, I don't know if you watch Star Trek or not, but it's one of those captains that comes in and tries to help out the Enterprise and always gets blown up or, or just happens to stop in and save a few people on the way out. Uh, that's, that's basically her character in general. She just looks like she could wear a red uh, Star Trek uniform and no one, would, no one would bat an eye when you look at it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, of course, was the one that was staged to have won that debate. Um, I really thought that everybody was just focused on her. I almost thought the debate was set up for her to win because there were basically no other reasonable candidates in this debate with her. If you want to call them reasonable, um, go out on a limb. It was her, Cory Booker, uh, Beto. Didn't even realize uh, Julian or Julian Castro is running for president still. I, I don't know how he got into the debate, but Elizabeth Warren... Uh, said all of the basic talking points you think of, there's nothing significant. And that's what's really interesting. All of this analysis that goes on about these debates. And there's nothing that's really significant or, or fun to talk about. They're, they're like standard, like people they're like, wow, they're, they said impeach. Yeah. Wow. They said that they want to open up all the borders and let everybody in. It, it, it's the same thing over and over and over again. In fact, at one point you, you started to believe that, the, that they were more interested in helping people who weren't Americans and didn't couldn't vote than uh, actual Americans, which is really interesting, and and I want to get to that, and before I go into the other candidates and how ridiculous they were and and pandering to uh, people who are crossing the border illegally, uh, it just seemed to me that Democrats were focused on people who can't even vote, and and they want to get this general populace to to vote for them, these people who are crossing the border illegally, which is really interesting because— if you're paying attention, actual legal immigrants, people who have gone through the system, and a lot of people know actual legal immigrants, and nobody doesn't want people to come to America. They just want people to come to America legally. Actual legal immigrants are really frustrated with the Democrat policies where they just want to give amnesty to anybody who wants to come to America. People are crossing the border illegally every day And Democrats just want to give them citizenship. Do you know how hard it is to become an American citizen? Do you know how long the process is? I have a friend who's a Canadian who became an American citizen. And he was an artist. He actually, I believe, won Grammys. And this guy literally was afraid to jaywalk. I I knew him in Austin. He was afraid to jaywalk because he knew that if he broke any law, he would potentially lose his ability to become an American citizen. That's how serious it is. When you think about people who come to America for an opportunity, people from uh, a less fortunate country than America, I believe America is still the greatest country in the world, and people want to come here, and they do. But people come from a less fortunate country, it's an uphill battle to become an American citizen. They come here, they find a job, they're working hard, they're working their butts off. And then people who illegally come here, Democrats just want to give them citizenship, and that's a slap in the face to any legal immigrant from any country who came here and worked hard. And Democrats don't realize that. And I think that's going to come back and bite them. It's going to bite them hard in this 2020 election because Donald Trump wants to build a wall, Donald Trump wants to actually solidify our immigration system so that people can come here legally, and then we can benefit people who are American citizens legally. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, I think that's a great idea. And I think a lot of the people who came here legally and went through this immigration system that, that's so difficult to get through that's what they want. They want things that benefit them, they want things that benefit their family who came here legally. They don't want to just have a handout to people who just literally walked across the border after they spent years, years working to become a citizen. Not just years becoming a citizen, but then having to take the the citizenship test, which I don't think many Americans could pass the citizenship test if they were given that test. Where they ask about the foundations of our government and uh, different roles in American history, significant pieces of American history. That test is tough. I mean, not for probably people listening to this, but it's tough for people that don't know anything about our history and then are forced to learn it when they come in legally. It's an uphill battle to become an American citizen. But, you know, if, if Democrats are going to hand it out, it's, it's a complete slap in the face to those people. So that being said, that seemed like one of the biggest topics last night is this the border wall. But the best parts of this discussion in the Democrat debate were, of course, Beto and Cory Booker, trying to speak Spanish. It made it look like they went all the way to Spanish too in high school or middle school. And they really really tried to piece together sentences in Spanish to to pander, like, okay, I want you to think about this. How many people who are fluent in Spanish were watching last night's debate? How many people watched the entire thing in English, hoping that one candidate would pander to them in Spanish for like a second? Uh, The answer is probably zero. Maybe a drunk guy accidentally had it on. He's paying attention to it. So Beto... First, Beto drops Spanish. And by the way, Beto to me is the white guy that comedians of color pretend to be when they do impersonations of white guys on stage. He just seems like that guy. And he, he makes it seem even more and more obvious every time that he is on stage that he is that guy. He's standing on counters. He's waving his arms around. He didn't wave his arms around last night. I was wondering... Maybe if he was going through withdrawal or something from whatever he's on, maybe he needed to hit a weed or some gummies or something, some weed gummies before he kept going. But I started to get a little concerned with him because he wasn't flapping his arms as much. But so Beto, Beto starts speaking terrible Spanish. And by the way, Beto is a name. I don't know if you know this or not. Actually, uh, NBC proved this. So if you guys doubt me, um, the, the quote unquote fake news actually proved that his father gave him the nickname Beto, even though his name is Robert Francis, and Beto is Roberto, a nickname for Roberto, because his father actually intended on Beto using it to run for office and benefiting himself. That's insane. They had actually, this is actually done, his name Beto is done for political pandering. He could have abandoned it. He knew what it was there for, and he chose not to do that. So that aside, he starts speaking in Spanish, and then there are looks from Elizabeth Warren, and Cory Booker, they're giving him these side-eyes that are the most insane side-eyes. They're like the side-eye you would give a guy who was pandering by speaking Spanish, but you know he's really Irish. You know what I'm talking about? You know anybody like that? So they give him that look, but Cory Booker's side-eye was for another reason, because Cory Booker saved up all his energy and all his time, and then he tried to speak Spanish, too, as well. And they might as well have said stuff like, ¿Cómo estás? Hola. Hi. Uh, quiero sopa, pero no quiero ensalada, which is the only line I really remember from Spanish, too, actually, in seventh grade, god knows how many years ago. It means I want soup, but I don't want the salad. It was that we had to read off a menu. But that's literally what it sounded like. They had such bad knowledge of the Spanish language. It sounded like if they pulled both of their brains together, they might be able to help Dora the Explorer solve a mystery. That's the level of Spanish they know. Vamanos, <laughs> boots. Wow, thanks, Corey. These two pandered so hard last night in speaking just a little bit of Spanish that it was laughably terrible. Laughably terrible. Completely laughably terrible. But the winner of most pandering of the night wasn't either one of them, in fact. It was... There was another guy who pandered so poorly and misstepped so so broadly that I had to listen to it three or four times, and I didn't even get to the comment until someone else pointed it out to me after the debate was over. Not that I was watching, anyway. I was watching baseball. By the way, again, the congressional baseball game, the Republicans lost terribly. But the guy who pandered the most was Julian Castro. And you say, why Julian Castro? This guy's, number one, I didn't even know he was in there. He looks like a guy who... If you told me that his eyebrows and hair were fake and he just glued them on before the show, I'd believe you. But he, he decides that he wanted to stand up, take a stand, for a trans woman's right to an abortion. And I want you to think about that, a trans woman's right to an abortion. That, uh, that is the equivalent of me as a guy having an abortion. Because if you're a trans woman, you're a man who identifies as a woman, there is no way that you can get pregnant. Unless maybe it's talking about, you know, taking the extra spare tire off off from around your waist. At, at which point, listen, if the government wants to pay to remove uh, spare tire around my waist, I'll identify as a woman to, to abort some fat from all of my drinking and I can go back to work afterwards. But uh, he, Julian Castro, taking a stand for a trans woman's right to an abortion. It... <laughs> If you think about it, they have to go so far to the left because everyone is pro-abortion on stage and they they do everything but actually give an abortion on stage in one of these debates, right? And Julian Castro was like, wait, you know what? I'll stand up for men who, th- who say that they are women who want to have an abortion. Beat that. And he said it so quickly in the debate that it was missable, completely missable. But it was in there. Unbelievable. The only uh, honorable mention, by the way, is uh, Bill de Blasio, who everyone hates in New York City. I remember when he announced his candidacy for president of the United States. The NYPD were the first people. I'm laughing. I can't stop laughing at this. I don't even have notes for this. This is how bad it is. I have no notes. I'm just literally just talking. And you can probably tell that. But Bill de Blasio, when he announces he's running for president, the NYPD was the first group of people who were like, Nope. No, thanks. That's pretty bad when the, when the people, your first responders who were there to protect you and, and the people of New York are the first group of people who are like, no, thanks. We are not going to endorse you for president. Shove it, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's like your best friends. Like if, if you're in high school and you run for president uh, of your student class and your friends are like, no, what do you think? No, why, why would why would we support you for that? That is a terrible idea. Sit down. Go back to class. You have other things to do. Go back to being a nerd. Go back to chess club or whatever you're part of. That's how bad Bill de Blasio of a candidate it is. And I didn't even get to what he pandered. He said he had a black son. He, he at some point announced that he had a black son. Just to say it. Just to say it. Because he was like, I'm not pandering enough. I need to do something. i got to catch up to these other people. I've got two people speaking Spanish. Can't speak Spanish well. Got everybody saying abortion. I'm with them on that. But does anybody else have a black son? No, it's me. It's time to shine, Bill de Blasio. Time to shine. And he does it by saying that he has a black son. Strong. There were other people on stage last night. I don't even remember. I think uh, Tim Ryan was there. I couldn't pick Tim Ryan out of a lineup. I I gotta tell you, if I put on a suit and just showed up to this debate and stood behind a podium and said I was one of these like generic white guy Democrats and just said orange man bad, I would probably poll at 1%. I mean, nobody knows who these people are. Tonight's debate, the second debate, which we will have a follow-up... Podcast the one, obviously, is the one that's set up for, uh, it's Bernie versus uh, Biden, and then who else is in this one tonight? Doesn't matter. Oh, uh, Kamala Harris is in this one, too. So it'll be very interesting. Elderly people, and then people who played Avita to move to the top of their political game. Ridiculous. It's great TV, though. It's absolutely great TV, and also it's ridiculous that I was able to tweet about it without actually being there. I was live tweeting it from the sixth row of the congressional baseball game. What did you guys think about the debate? If you have any thoughts on it, I want you to leave it in comments wherever you're listening to this podcast. If it's uh, on a Facebook page or whatever else, we will take a look at the comments. I will read the best comments on the next show. I want to get interaction with this. This is my first podcast that I've ever done. I've done radio with Sirius XM. I uh, am on Fox 5 DC. I get to do very cool things there. I guest spot everywhere I can. i basically a media whore. I'm not afraid to say that. And, uh, this is the first time I've taken a swipe at it. So we're going we're gonna to try to do these twice a week, and we will post them in a couple of different places for you guys to listen. So if you love it, hit the subscribe button. I'd love to have more conversation with you guys. I want to interact with you more. And as our technology improves, we will do that. We will get you in more on the conversation, and we'll get to talk more about things. That being said, let's talk about this other story that is very, very intriguing to me. I have loved this since I saw it the other day. After Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called the migrant detention facilities concentration camps, there was justifiably lots of outrage. And then there was just, justifiably or expectedly lots of people covering for her on the left, which I thought was absolutely insane, including Ilhan Omar, our favorite Ilhan Omar, part of this, uh, this triple threat of brilliancy between her, uh, Rashida Tlaib and AOC, so uh, Ilhan Omar in the halls of Congress was asked about concentration camps, and she says, oh, well, they're camps where people are concentrated, so that's a thing. That's a, that means concentration camp. It's like, oh, my, how am I anti-Semitic, how dismissive of the Holocaust can you be than saying something like that? Absolutely ridiculous. That all being said, AOC says it's a concentration camp. She's getting invited to go over to Poland to visit actual concentration camps, actual survivors of concentration camps are inviting her to come hang out with them and have a conversation with them. Of course, she turns it all down. Why would you do that? But what she did was she pulled out photos that were professionally taken of her wearing a white linen suit and a $1,000 Gucci watch or whatever watch it was. It was identified by people who know fashion more than I do. Clearly, I don't. I I wear jerseys all the time. Of her standing by a fence where she claimed it was a migrant detention facility and she's holding holding her, her face. She looks distressed. She's looking directly into the camera. That was the mistake, by the way. She's looking directly into the camera, looking like she's very sad. Looking like she just found out that they stopped serving the McRib at McDonald's again. I I get that sad when I see that they stopped serving the McRib at McDonald's. She's looking into the camera. She's looking at the fence. She's holding the fence. It looks like she's yelling something at some point. She's hugging her friends. She's wearing all these white suits, this like white linen outfit. Uh, of course, people behind her are wearing her campaign shirt. That's very important. You got to make sure that when you go visit a migrant detention facility, out of the the goodness of your heart, that the people around you are wearing campaign shirts that have your name on them. That's that's crucial, right? You got to make sure that you got branding there. You don't want to just show up. And you also got to make sure that you know you're wearing a thousand dollar watch. And God knows how much her outfit costs, you know, and we're allowed to comment on outfits because the left, of course, comments on Melania Trump's outfits when she goes to things and say that she says that she dresses too fancy when she goes to visit people who are are hurting. So that's their rules. It's not my rules. I, I don't make the rules. I just follow them. She shows up. She's holding the fence. She's looking sad. She's looking across. We never see what's on the other side of the fence. And then we do. Because, of course, in in 24-7 social media news cycle, these photos are going to surface. And you see what's on the other side of the fence, and it's an empty parking lot. It's a completely empty parking lot that she's been staring into and acting as if she's seeing something dramatic. And she is just bereaved and weeping, and it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. I want you to think about that. Now, these photos came out and she has not responded to them. So I'm surprised that she hasn't said, oh, the left is obsessed. Sorry, the, the right is obsessed with me. Republicans are obsessed with me. That's all they want to do is prove that I'm wrong. Yeah, no, not at all. But if you're in the media constantly, if you're constantly around, you're constantly mouthing off, you're constantly getting lots of attention on social media, you're going to be talked about. If you're constantly on late night television, I think she's been made at least 10 appearances on late night television. I've never heard anybody say that late night TV is obsessed with her. She only represents a small district in New York, but she's getting more TV than I believe most members of Congress, if not all members of Congress on late night television, on mainstream television. So don't tell me that the right's obsessed with her when she's on, on constantly on national media. But here she is at the border dressed up fancy. God knows her probably entire outfit is probably worth three or $4,000. Remember she couldn't afford a rent when she moved to DC, but she's got a thousand dollar watch on. She's just a Poor girl from Queens or wherever she claims to be from that's not really where she's from. Can't afford a rent, but she's got an expensive watch. She's able to fly herself down to the border with her staff and stare longingly into a parking lot with like two police cars in it and a couple of cops standing around. And that's what she was passing off as her, her pandering to say the concentration camps. It's just like a concentration camp. I was there. Well, concentration camps, last time I checked, uh, you weren't allowed to leave freely if you wanted to go back home also. Um, and also, you weren't put in them. People weren't coming into Germany. Jews weren't coming into Germany and forcing themselves in to try to illegally sneak in and become citizens of Germany. Uh, I think they were getting pulled into there in a, a different manner. But all that aside, she tried to pander by going down to the border. Most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. If You need to look at these pictures. So look them up. Do, do a quick Google search. Go to her Twitter, and it's deep. She tweets so much. But if you dig in and you take a look at these professionally done photos, it is the most pathetic pandering thing. Almost as bad as the Democratic debate last night. Maybe worse because the Democrats at least were all on a stage together instead of going down to the border. I'm surprised they don't actually do a debate on the border for the people in migrant detention facilities. Because that's how bad it is. And by the way, before, before we go, I, I want to keep these kind of condensed. I want to keep them below 25 minutes so you guys can listen and, you know, be able to move on with your life. You know, I, I don't like these 90-minute podcasts. I feel like they go on for too long. Maybe if we get a good interview, we'll do a long one. But if it's just me talking, I don't want to pain you. My mom used to say I like the sound of my own voice. I really don't, actually. When I, when I hear it in my ears, it's very, very nasally. But all that, all that aside... The last story I wanted to talk about when we're talking about these immigrant detention centers, these migrant detention facilities, whatever you call them. Not concentration camps, though. All the Democrats are talking about how these poor kids are having to sleep on the floor and how they're in terrible, terrible, inhumane uh, situations. They're in cages. You have to remember this was all Obama's policy. It started under him, but now they're blaming Trump. They never were upset when it was under Obama. That being said, in New York the other day, or no, sorry, Boston the other day, Wayfair, who makes beds and, and home furnishings, had an employee walkout because the government's been buying beds and bedding for the kids at these migrant detention centers from Wayfair. And the people there who are super liberal, super progressive, are so progressive that they're like, how dare the government buy things from us to make the lives of these kids better? Now, I know their concept is that the kids shouldn't be in migrant detention centers at all, blah, blah, blah. But while they're there, shouldn't they have the best Opportunity to be comfortable that they can have? Apparently not. Because the employees at Wayfair say they're upset that the government is buying betting to make these kids' lives better from Wayfair. That logic escapes me and it hurts my brain. That it's either we want these kids to suffer so that we can own Trump or they get no better no better conditions. I can't wait till there's a walkout. Wait wait till the, the left finds out where the food comes from at these facilities. Then there'll probably be a walkout at those facilities. We don't want the kids to eat either, do we? That's how ridiculous this is getting. That's how absolutely ridiculous this is getting. As I said before, you guys can follow me on uh, Twitter at Tim Runs His Mouth. You can subscribe to the podcast. We're going to try to do these twice a week. Just talking about the news of the week, making fun of everything, laughing along with me. Hopefully you guys are. I, I have a good time doing these. It's kind of weird. I laugh at my own jokes, but it is really so ridiculous. And I say things off the cuff when I'm, I'm watching these debates and after the debates so that you guys can be entertained. I do it for you. So I wanted to thank you for listening. Again, this is the first podcast of No Things Considered. Subscribe. Please tell your friends. We're going to be doing it twice a week. This is going to be awesome. My name is Tim Young. Leave a comment wherever you see this. I will read the best comments and I will talk to you soon about the second debate. And I have a feeling it's going to be just as ridiculous as the first.